Welcome to Money Talks. My name is Mike Campbell. I'm really glad you're with us, but I think you will be too, because this is really a strong show. Every show is a strong show. What am I saying? But really hot topics. I'm going to be talking housing. We have a serious problem. If you're a regular listener, you know we've been chronicling it, but it's about to get worse. And I've got Dr. Mike P. Moffitt joining me. I think he's the top person in academia talking about the housing shortages, the pressures that we on, possible solution, the miss, all of that coming your way. I think you're going to absolutely benefit from hearing him. Also, Lil Boutigra is with me. Uh, I love his work. He's the independent uh, speculator, uh, due diligence guy on Twitter. We're going to be talking about the global market, potential recession, impact on commodities, and what he likes in that space. The two favorites, by the way, that he likes in the space. Plus, we've got Ozzy, we've got Victor, I've got Michael Levy talking about that uh, sovereign debt downgrade that Fitch just had in the U.S., and much more. But first, you know, I love celebrity, or celebrated, I should say, celebrated economist Thomas Sowell's famous quote, For short-term political gain, in order to make certain constituencies happy, in order to give people what they want with no sacrifice, we are willing to throw future generations under the bus. And I say, absolutely. So today, I'm going to give four examples that anyone who says, hey, I care about young people, that's a common thing to say, but if we're talking about your kids, I worry about my grandchildren too. Uh, You could be nieces, nephews, you name it. Better still, I think you should pass it on to every high school and university student. Every young person in the work world should know about this stuff. I'll give you the first example. Canada pension plan premiums and payouts. In a nutshell, as pension expert Greg Hurst stated, Canada pension plan represents a massive transfer of wealth from younger generations to older ones. How convenient that the older ones, by the way, make the rules. The point to understand, though, and sorry, I'm going to have to give you a couple numbers. But if someone aged 25 was, instead of being forced to contribute to the Canada Pension Plan, got to take those same mandatory contributions, but into a personal retirement plan, they would get several times more in monthly benefits than the current CPP payout. Plus, and this is a huge plus, they'd have a nest egg. You know, with today's Canada pension, I pay in all my working life. I start collecting at some point. Well, I don't have a nest egg. When I die, that's really just about it. If instead it was my own personal pension plan, yeah, I'd have a huge nest egg. And I'll give you just one example. And this is one overlooked when you talk about investment, uh, sorry, inflation stats. Mandatory Canada pension plan contributions. Are you ready? They've gone up 29.5% in the last three years. And you're paying a bigger proportion of your paycheck. Now you pay just about 6% of your income up to about $66,000 as the max. That was 5.4%, when you go back just a couple of years. But the maximum payout? No, it ain't up 29.5%. It's up only 9%. So going back uh, you know, three years, you got $1,176 per month. Now you get $1,288 and no lump sum nest egg. But if instead the mandatory contribution, now if you're a worker, that mandatory is 3754 double if you're self-employed, but 3754 you put it into your own retirement account, starting at age 25, retired at age 65, and let's say it earned about 6% annually on average, which is under the average of the Toronto Stock Exchange rate in the same period, maybe that's about eight to 9%. So I'm being conservative. 
And then you raise your contributions every year. You know, let's put it to the Bank of Canada's target of 2%. So it's just an example. And it's mind-blowing. Your retirement account would be worth, you ready? Just under $10 million at the age of 65. Monthly payouts would be several times what it is today. In other words, young workers would be far better off. That's my point. Second example. You know, university uh, students are out there right now working in their summer jobs. Some high school students also doing the same thing. You know, so many of them. Well, they're going to be paying employment insurance. Even though when they have to stop work to go back to school, they can't collect it. So, yeah, good. They play EI and they can't collect. It's just another tax on them. Maybe it could cost them like a thousand bucks in the summer. Third example. Anytime we push policies that restrict economic growth and job creation or discourage businesses from investing, we're limiting the economic prospects for young people. The anti-business lobby is very powerful in Canada. I mean, it fills the ranks of the public sector unions, uh, many non-government organizations. It dominates big environmental groups and as well is well represented in parliament, provincial legislatures and city councils. But none of them, let me underline that, Not one of them can answer the straightforward question. How does discouraging capital investment and economic growth benefit our younger generation? You know, the numbers are getting scary. I mean, you probably saw this OECD forecasts that when you adjust for inflations, Canada's real economy on a per capita basis will grow at the slowest rate compared to the other 18 OECD countries this decade and then right through to 2060. But here's the thing. You know, since 1981, Canada's GDP per capita has fallen from sixth in the world to 15th. You know, in 1981, Canada's in, Can- Canadians in general, let's talk about your standard of living, enjoyed a $3,000 higher per capita standard of living than the major Western economies. 40 years later, we're 5,000 below, not 3,000 above, 5,000 below that same average. You know what? They say if the trend continues, we'll be down about 18,000 by 2060. Now, I won't be around for that, but you get the point. I mean, it's all about a lower standard of living, lower salaries, fewer job opportunities. So tell me who benefits the younger people from these uh, policies that discourage capital investment, productivity, and economic growth. And finally, just one more. This is the one you're well familiar with. Young generation is going to be responsible for unfunded liabilities for both healthcare and public sector pensions, along with the massive provincial and federal record debt load that we're leaving them. Does anyone really think that's to their benefit? Do we think that our children are going to have the same level of healthcare, for example, that we enjoyed, given we're already having problems with sustainability? Well, I think most Canadians found that. I mean, Pew Research found that 75% of Canadians think that the younger generation is going to be worse off than we are. Now, luckily for government and the establishment, the younger generation seems, well, not to understand what's going on and disengaged for a lot of reasons. But right at the top is the fact that the vast majority graduate from high school, then go on through the university and college without even a rudimentary understanding of economics and finance. You know what? I think that that suits the status quo just fine, because if they ever figured out what we've been doing, look out. And you know what? I'd be there to cheer them on.